Today's episode is brought to you by Create Engage, the digital marketing agency for the disruptive management consultancy. Digital marketing has moved forwards, but most consulting firms haven't. Many consulting firms still see their corporate blog as their sole digital marketing channel and find themselves frustrated when these blogs yield little, if any, results. For those consultancies that understand digital marketing, though, it can be a huge asset and help them achieve rapid business growth. In fact, at Create Engage, we've recently written a case study of one successful consulting firm that used digital marketing to help them grow over 400% in just three years. Having spent countless hours researching consulting firms and consulting leaders for this podcast, it became very clear that while some firms do digital marketing well, the vast majority of consulting firms struggle to leverage its power and don't know where to start. To help those of you who want to harness the power of digital marketing to grow your consulting business, but don't have the knowledge, capacity, or in-house capability to do so, I launched Create Engage, the first digital marketing agency for the management consulting industry. As former consultants ourselves, we understand the challenges that you face when it comes to delivering effective digital marketing that engages prospective clients and generates leads. Having worked in the industry, we understand consulting buyers, what resonates with them and what doesn't. This enables us to harness the latest in digital marketing in a way that aligns with your brand and your market positioning to attract the prospective clients that you're looking to target. We understand that each consultancy is unique and have a range of services to help you shape, implement and sustain effective digital marketing strategies that deliver results, regardless of where you are on your digital marketing journey. If you would like to find out more about how Create Engage can help you use digital marketing to take your business to the next level, then send me an email at nick at createengage.co.uk or go to our website, createengage.co.uk, where you can download that free case study that breaks down the digital marketing strategies used by one successful consulting firm to help them grow over 400% in just three years and gives you the secrets they used so that you can apply them in your own firm. If you want to outpace your competitors and stand out in the crowded consulting market, then get in touch. We'd love to help you grow your business through digital marketing. Hi, and welcome to Climbing Consulting. Today, I thought I'd do something a little different for one main reason, which is it is episode 80. I can't believe that we are here. When I started the show, gosh, over three years ago now, as you may have heard in previous interviews that I've done and previous conversations with, with guests, I started this show as a, a hobby, something to give back to the industry, something to learn from, from industry leaders. I never thought it would get this far. If, if I'm honest, I thought I'd get a couple of listeners, mainly being my family, and it would be mothballed after three or four. But needless to say, you know, thank you to, to you as, as my listeners who are enjoying it, continuing to, to share your sort of thoughts, feedback, guest recommendations. And it's because of you that I keep the show going. Obviously, I love doing it. My guests really enjoy it. But if there was no one listening, there'd be no point to it. So thank you very much. And really, really pleased that you are enjoying it. It always sort of makes me take a step back when I see some of the messages that, that people share and, and some of the impact that, that my guests have had on you. And, and ultimately, that's why I do the series, because 
our industry is so fractured, you know, there's so many consulting firms, and actually, it's very hard to get time with or learn from the leaders in our industry. It's not like tech where everyone does TED Talks and, you know, is on YouTube channels. Our industry is is yet to to fully embrace that side of things, and in part why, why we do what we do at Create Engage, and actually being able to bring those great stories from people who've done fantastic things in our industry to help you is, is why I do this podcast. And, you know, I'm really pleased when I get those messages from you to hear it helps. And so because it's episode 80, I wanted to do something a little different. And when going back through the, the archives, I realized that actually it's been quite a long time since I did a solo episode. So early on in the series, I used to try and do these sort of every five or 10 episodes just to give you something different, try and break it up, sort of share some of my own thoughts as well as those from my guests. So today I wanted to do just that. And I thought, what better topic to do it on than marketing post-COVID. And the reason for this is it's something that I'm getting and the team are getting a lot of questions on, be it from our clients, be it from prospective clients, or just people that I and the team know in the industry. And, and ultimately, just like when we entered COVID, there was a lot of questions around, okay, well, what do we actually do from a marketing perspective? How does this impact our business development? It's going to be the same and it is the same as we come out of it because the world is going to go back to some sort of normal. We've all heard of the new normal, as it were. And many consulting firms are starting to think, well, what does that mean for marketing? For some, it's a question of, have I missed the boat? Should I have been doing digital and, and some of the things that we've talked about before on our podcast, in our eBooks, you know, six, 12 months ago, actually, can I still do those things? And from other people, it's, well, we've been doing these things. What should we be doing now? What's, what's the next new thing? Or how's this going to change our approach? So Today, I thought I would share my thoughts on, well, probably four things that you should be doing. Some are things hopefully you are doing, some are things you may not have started, but hopefully this gives you some food for thought and some ideas to start to improve your consulting firm's marketing. And it's worth saying that these ideas will, will work for you and will give you return on investment and benefit, whether you are a sort of small firm, you know, five, 10 people, all the way up to you know the larger boutiques into the hundreds and, and even touching the thousands. I mean, ultimately, if you're listening to this and you work in a, one of the sort of global players, one of the big four, for instance, everything here that I'm going to share with you will still work. You're just likely to have a little more challenges getting it signed off and getting it approved. So everything that I'll share is definitely effective across the board. But for those of you in those sort of more reactive, those smaller boutiques that can move quicker, these are things that I'd be encouraging you to be looking to implement, yeah, if not this month, next month and beyond. So with all of that said, I'm going to dive into it. It's going to be a slightly shorter episode today. and Hopefully, if you're driving down to wherever for holiday, um, because here, if you're listening to this in the UK, obviously, we get out of lockdown on Monday. So this will be going out the Friday before the end of lockdown. So hopefully it gives you something to listen to in the car on your journey to wherever you're going on holiday. And hopefully for those of you who aren't in the UK, you're able to do the same where you are. And, and this gives you some listening in the car. So Let's jump into it. And I think the first thing to say before we go on to the sort of tactical, what should you be doing? What are the things we want to implement? The first starting point is something we do with all of our clients. And we, we always reinforce because it's surprising how few consulting firms do this is, is start with that strategy. We've all heard of the Simon Sinek start with why. And lots of people, there was a phase where everyone implemented that in their businesses, their consulting firms. It's very similar here. We want to start with actually what is it that makes us special? Who are we marketing to? And why would they want to buy from us? What is it that they're struggling with? What's their challenge, their pain point that we can solve? Because regardless of the, the tactic, you could have the most effective tactic on paper. If you haven't got that piece right, if you don't know 
who you are targeting and what it is that you need to be saying to them to appeal to them, you're never going to get the traction you want. You're never going to get the return on investment you want from your marketing. And, and we've seen this both from firms we don't work with, but also firms we do. You know, there was a client of ours where we did one webinar, we did, we did a series with them. The first webinar didn't go very well. And to be honest, that's probably because we strayed too far from the client avatar. As soon as we got that in sync, we aligned the topic with the, the clients that they were trying to focus on. You know, those sessions went phenomenally well and just kept getting better throughout that series. And, and I share that example to highlight the importance of actually focusing on your customer. Because a lot of consulting firms, and I, I know this from when I was a consultant, you know, we'll start with what do we sell? And because as consultants, we're very, we're bright, we're analytical, we're persuasive, we convince ourselves that of course someone would want to buy our thing because our thing is the best thing there is out there in the market. And it's that mentality and that approach which yields bad results from marketing. As soon as you flip that on its head and say, okay, my clients are this type of people in this industry, they're suffering from these challenges and pain points, how can I help solve those problems for them? You will start to unlock the, the return on investment from your marketing. And so to help you with that, I'm not going to elaborate too much on today's podcast because I've, I have in previous shows. What I will do is put a couple of links in the show notes. So the webinar series that I ran last year with Garwood and Honeycomb PS, I'll put a link to my episode from that series into the show notes because I go through that framework in detail in that episode. I'll also put a link to the framework itself, our digital marketing framework, which will act as a guide for you. It's a, in effect a checklist that before you do any campaign or think about any marketing activity, work through this framework. It works on a practice level. It works on sort of an individual business line level. It works even on a, an individual level. If you're trying to push towards partner and you need to actually improve your business development and, and the sort of business you're bringing into the firm, if you want to do more personal marketing, build your personal brand, it works just as well for that as well. So I'll put those links in the show show notes. But that's the first thing. Before we go on to the what's going to change in, in 2021 and, and after COVID, the thing that isn't going to change is that strategy, is if you get that right, everything else I'm about to talk about will benefit you and deliver return on investment. If you don't, if you ignore that and, and plow ahead with the I have something to sell, so I'm going to tell the world about it approach, the rest of the things I'm going to say are going to be wildly ineffective. So I say that because I often hear marketing get a bad reputation. I, you know, I know I've been in consulting firms. I, I know what we think of marketing as, you know, as, as a group. And largely that is not because of the marketing activity. It's not because the webinar didn't work or the podcast didn't work. It's because the thought process hasn't been put in up front to say, really, what is it that makes us different? Who is it we're targeting? And what is it we should be telling them or sharing with them that will appeal to them? So with that said, I want to go into, I'd say, four different tactics that you should be thinking about. And now some of these, in fact, all of these are things that we've been helping clients with pre-COVID and have been really working well for them. And I want to just give you that reason and rationale to be embracing them post-COVID. Because actually, while the world is changing and we're going back to hopefully sort of a similar world to what we had before, a lot of these, these tactics, these approaches are going to be just as effective and in some cases probably more effective than some of the things you you were planning to do or want to do particularly the sort of physical events and again I'll come on to that shortly so the first one is is podcasting and you'd probably expect me to say this as someone who runs a podcast and, and runs a marketing agency that that helps people set up podcasts but 
it was something that sort of had a boom pre-COVID and a number of people were concerned, well, with no one commuting, are people still listening? Are they still effective? And, and what we've seen through COVID is the answer is yes, people are still actively listening, in some cases more so because frankly, they've got nothing to do on weekends and they've run out of Netflix. For some of our clients, we've seen their best listening figures over this time. And we genuinely believe, and I genuinely believe, that's only going to continue. And, and the reason actually that it's so powerful now and will continue to be is people are still going to be traveling a little less for the next few months. They're going to be wanting something to do. And actually, when they do get back to traveling, you know, while I don't have a crystal ball, if you look at the sort of the newspapers and the press, companies are moving towards a more flexible approach. You, know, you look at BP, you look at Nationwide here in the UK, they are moving to a, a more flexible sort of working pattern. And that means people will be commuting. Actually, people are likely to be making life decisions that encourage them to move out of sort of where they work. So if they live in London, they may move out and commute in a bit longer, one or two days a week or three days. So what that means is we are going to move back to a world where people commute, but they are going to commute for a longer period of time. And so actually, from a podcasting perspective, that means you've got a captive audience for a longer period of time because, yes, on the sort of train into London, they might be working on a Monday morning. But when you come back on a, a Wednesday night, I don't know about you, but I know I certainly don't do any work. And that's the time when actually you want to listen to a podcast. You want to hear the latest thoughts and ideas. And so from a listener perspective, we, we see that's going to increase and, and improve. But the other side and, and something that I think we've really seen COVID accelerate is actually guests' openness to doing podcasts. And this is the thing that I spend a lot of time with our clients and, and prospective clients who want to talk about podcasting and explaining, because actually for a consulting firm, the goal of a podcast is, is very rarely a big listenership. Now, obviously, you want listeners to your show. You want people to, you know, to be enjoying it. But actually, the listenership is not really the goal because you're never going to create a new business line of podcasting. You're not going to create sort of ad revenue from that podcast. Well, that's not your, you know, the goal for our clients, at least. But the, the real benefit and almost the hidden benefit is podcasting lets you open doors with prospective clients. And this is something that so few consulting firms have fully, fully grasped is actually what a podcast does is let you in a non-salesy way open a conversation. Because we all talk about wanting to sell to CEOs, CIOs, you know, the top table in these large global organizations. And those people are inundated with consultants trying to do the same. You know, most people who have got to that level in an organization, they're pretty savvy and they know that if you're dropping them a message to say, oh, can we have a coffee? Can I just share our latest thoughts, our latest research? What you're really saying is, can I sell to you? And that can make it very difficult to get in the door, get in front of them. And this is where podcasting can become a really great marketing tool, a business development tool. And particularly if you're in it for the long term, and I think, you know, time horizon is important here. Podcasting is a, a long term sort of 6, 12, 18 month play in terms of business development, lead generation, return on investment is actually this lets you get in front of people who you should have no right to be in the room with because what you are doing is giving them value. And this is something that as consultants, we all talk about, we all know the phrase, but we seem to sometimes forget it with our marketing. And, and the reason that the podcast is such a powerful tool in that respect is what you're really saying is, is Mr. or Mrs. CEO, I really want to share your story with the world. You're you know, really inspiring. I love what you've done. I want to share that with our audience. You're giving them that value. You're helping them amplify their, their message, get their personal brand out there. 
And just as people, who doesn't want to do that? Now, obviously, some guests will say no, but you are likely to, and I can share examples from uh, my own podcast, where you're likely to get in the room with people who would never have accepted a coffee, would never have, have taken your call otherwise. And, and what you're really getting then is an hour or two hours of, of their undivided attention to learn about them, learn their story, probe into what motivates them. And that's just the interview, you know, that's just the recorded stuff. Either side of that, you get, you know, 15, 20 minutes to build that relationship, that rapport, that connection, and learn more about their organization. And, and ultimately, you know, that's the heart of marketing. It's the heart of, of business development is find out what your clients are struggling with and provide a solution that will help them solve it. And so while that may sound a little cynical to some, the goal is very much to share your client's story, is to give them that value of raising their profile, sharing their story with the world. And ultimately, the business development, the marketing opportunities is, is, is a sort of extension from that. And this is something where actually COVID has made this easier because many more people are comfortable with doing conversations like this over Zoom or over Teams or over Skype. When I started Climbing Consulting you know, three years ago, Teams or Skype as it was then was really the I guess the, the second by a long way option. Most people, and me included, wanted to meet face-to-face, -face, wanted to record interviews face-to-face. -face. And actually, in the early days, I did very few over Skype because it was just seen as, as lesser. And so what that meant is actually it could be quite difficult to get in people's diaries. And particularly when you're going for senior people who are busy, it can be very difficult to get physical time together. And, you know, this isn't going to be so much now, but pre-COVID with people traveling to clients, traveling, you know, across the world, it could be months, if not, I mean, in, in some cases, it was years before we got interviews in the diary. What COVID has done and, and will continue to do is, is make people comfortable with a, a Zoom conversation. And as, as you know, your clients actually move towards a more flexible pattern, they're going to stay working from home a few days a week. And, and while I can't sort of, I don't have a crystal ball, I suspect that means those days are the days they'll be more open to doing things like podcasts and, and, and recordings like this. So your guest access is going to be a lot more. And actually, that also means that the investment that you need to make in technology is a lot less because instead of needing two microphones, you know, something to record on all of the cables, all of the, the boom arms to go and do this physically in someone's office, all you actually need is, is one microphone, you know, and, and that could be anything from if you just want to try it out, use your sort of headset that your company or your consultancy have given you, or you could go sort of the whole hog and buy a, a professional recording microphone, you know, plug that in. I mean, the one I'm using at the moment is about 250 quid. That's sort of towards the top end. You can get ones that are, you know, less than 100 and in some cases less than 50. And, and, and that's really the start. That's the sort of the financial investment you need to make. So that's where I say post COVID, I think podcasts are only going to continue that, you know, they're only continuing to grow in popularity. Anyway, your listeners who may have paused because they weren't commuting are going to start commuting. And, you know, most importantly, your guests who could become your clients are going to be more accessible just as they have been during the last sort of six to 12 months. And I think the last thing to say, and, and because again, I know some of the questions I get around, well, is this really effective? You know, the, the only answer I can give is yes. We have seen as Create Engage, a number of clients come directly from Climbing Consulting. And those are people who I didn't know before, people who I only met through the podcast. We're just finishing a, a campaign actually for, for one such guest. And we've had the same from our clients, clients who have directly been given business by podcast guests because They've had that conversation. They've got to know each other. That guest has realized the client could help them. You know, that conversation's gone forward and, and that's resulted in work. So as I say, 
just to highlight the the return on investment that that podcasting can give. And that's yeah, even before we get to some of the side benefits and, and things like recruitment, for instance, particularly in, in the sort of competitive market that the consulting recruitment is, what is it that makes your, your firm stand out? And while I'm never going to say that a podcast is going to be the sole source of sort of brand identification for recruits, it's a signal that you are doing things slightly differently. You're moving in that direction. And particularly as podcasting continues to become more mainstream, it's going to go from the consulting firm that has one is one in 10 to it's the consulting firm that doesn't have one is one in 10. And then when you're in that space, do you want to be that 10th firm where all of your competitors are running podcasts, they're getting their team involved, and you're the one that's perceived as a little bit backwards by recruits. So that is the the sort of key pieces on podcasting. I think the last thing to say, and it, it actually, it kind of links to everything I'm going to talk about today, because I've, I've had this concern from a few people is, actually nick a podcast kind of done as everyone you know everyone's doing them is it a bit sort of following you know jumping on the bandwagon and, and just copying people and the answer to that is is twofold which is one just like marketing as a whole standing on the sidelines is never going to get you the results you want you know your clients aren't looking for that it's it's not like the playground they're not looking for the cool firm who's standing at the side not getting involved your clients are looking for the people who are doing what they want and who they want to go to for help. And so that's where the first thing I'd say is actually jump in because you're soon going to be the firm that isn't doing this and that's going to make you stand out for the wrong reasons. I think the second point is there are still very few consulting firms doing this well. And when I say well or effectively, what I mean is creating a concerted series that gives value to their target audience and shares the best of their client network and, and their, their relationships and the sort of executive clients and network they've built. And this is a, a real challenge for a lot of firms is they they will launch a podcast as a sort of micro series to complement a campaign or, or just as a stream of thoughts, which doesn't really tie together. And while this isn't an episode on podcasting, although actually thinking about it, I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes to the episode that I did on podcasting. And that is the real heart of it is most consulting firms doing podcasts are not doing them effectively. So for you listening to this thinking, oh, well, everyone else is already there. Firstly, they're not. And if those that are, you know, there is still room in the market for what you do. And as I say, sort of to close on podcasts, ultimately, the goal is to build relationships. And even if that's one client relationship that comes through that podcast, you know, that's a fantastic return on investment. And that is worth it. So podcasts definitely recommend keeping going, pushing. And, and the big thing as well, just to sort of mention is of all of the things I'm going to talk about today, podcast is the one that takes a bit of lead time. You know, you've got to get the first few interviews recorded. You've got to build the podcast brand. You've got to get all the systems set up. You you really need six or probably 12 weeks before you launch a podcast. So if you're thinking of doing a podcast for your firm, now's the time to be working on it because you can then launch it in the summer or, you know, to align with the new academic year when everyone's sort of hopefully back at school and, and work life's returned to normal, that's when you'll be launching. So you need to work backwards from there. So that's probably the last thing. Everything else I'm going to talk about today, you can action quite quickly. Podcast, you need to give a bit more thought and take a bit more time on. So what's number two? And, and number two is probably the number one that everyone has been doing. And we know we've been helping a lot of clients with over lockdown, which is webinars. And I think lockdown has seen the the rise of the webinar, the rebirth of the webinar. Prior to lockdown, prior to COVID, we were, we were actively recommending clients don't run webinars. They were the preserve of big SaaS or big software companies, big consultancies, and they really weren't that effective. And what we've seen over COVID is that's completely flipped on its head. And the question then becomes, you know, when do I stop doing webinars? And our answer is 
fairly pragmatically, we don't we will know when we know, but it's not yet. And and the reason I say that is with everyone starting to go back to the office even two, three days a week, there are concerns, you know, do people have Zoom fatigue? Will it just flip back to normal? And we're still running webinars week in, week out at the moment. And and the answer is not yet. You know, we're still seeing phenomenal numbers turn up to webinars, you know, everything from from 10, 20 people all the way up to 100, 200 people. And they're still delivering what our clients want from them. And I think for yourself listening to this, if you have not done a webinar over the last 12 months, put it on your list for the next month. Because as a marketing channel, in terms of return on investment, in terms of effectiveness, in terms of ease of creation, there is is nothing better right now. It's a really tangible lead generation tool because people sign up for your webinar. It gives you a ton of content to reuse and repurpose on things like LinkedIn and on your blog because you've got an hour of of your team, your experts sharing their insights and their advice. And it's also, I guess, lastly, very easy to set up. Prior to COVID, we had to have breakfast meetings where you know, you'd have to shell out, I don't know, at least £1,000, if not more, to get 10 people around the table. You'd have to have weeks of planning. You'd have to stage manage it. You'd have to make sure you've found a venue. There was a lot of effort. The great thing about a webinar is actually you can create new content or quite simply you can take material you've previously delivered and you can repurpose that for your webinar. So actually the effort involved is probably you know a day max, a couple of days, because all you need to do is get the team together to, to understand what you're going to talk about, make sure the presentation's slick, you need to create the marketing for it, and then you need to promote it. And then the great thing about those webinars is the marginal cost of one more attendee is zero. So this is something I regularly get asked is, well, Nick, should we be focusing on quality of audience? You know, what if someone who's not a CXO gets into the webinar? And my answer is always that doesn't matter because as long as we get a number of the type of clients we do want and we're targeting the right people, if people from their organization also sign up, even if, you know, students sign up, there is no extra marginal cost for us to deliver that session. So why not? You know, there is no downside. And actually, more often than not, and, and we've seen this ourselves at Create Engage, there's actually a lot of upside because we always talk about wanting to target the buyers, the top table, the, you know, the people with the who can sign the checks. And actually, very often those people are super busy. They're in meetings all day, every day. They don't have that much time to attend webinars. Whereas their team, the people below them do. And actually, those people are fantastic influencers. And this is something, again, when we work on that strategy that we talked about at the top of today, we spend a lot of time with clients looking at those different profiles and including those influencers in that. Because very often, they can be the people who get you in the front door. They're the people who start the conversation. And it's always an easier introduction if you've been introduced to a buyer by one of their team. And so that's where webinars can be great because they can get you in front of those influencers who you would have discarded for a breakfast because the return on investment isn't there. You're not going to spend, I don't know, however much on a breakfast to bring sort of the junior and a team along. But for a webinar, it's free for them to come and then they can start to market on your behalf inside that firm. I think the other thing to highlight is webinars, you can actually tailor really specifically to different levels in your buying funnel. So we've seen this, I remember one one campaign we ran, which was successful for a client and, and they won work off. You know, the first webinar we did, they had a, a huge audience, you know, closing in on 100. But that was real sort of top of the funnel. And, it, you know, for those of you who aren't familiar with those terms, that's sort of people who are thinking about it, they're really undecided, they don't even know if they want to work with you, they don't even know if they've got that problem, but they're curious, you know, they're, they're the people who might be buyers in six, 12 months, we got tons of them at the first webinar. By the last webinar, we'd gone through that funnel and really tailored down. And we only got 
1520 on the last one, but it was super targeted at people who actually our client was talking to, actual buyers who were ready to pull the trigger. And this was just that extra bit of, I guess, verification and confidence building. And that's, again, something key and really important that we spend a lot of time talking to clients about and would, would recommend to yourself if you're sort of thinking or your team is slightly skeptical on webinars is they don't all have to be, you know, big broadcast new business lead generation tools. Actually, a really effective way to use webinars and same for podcasts I talked about earlier is actually nurturing people through that process. So, you know, we've worked with clients where they've deliberately chosen topics based on the, the sales meetings they're having because they're advanced in that process. They know that client X is really interested in topic Y. So they run a webinar on topic Y. You know, in effect, it's a webinar for one client, but obviously other people can turn up, others will have that same issue. So you're getting multiple benefits from it. So those are just, I guess, a couple of the reasons to be running webinars. And as I say, sort of at the start of this section, ultimately, we don't see webinars going anywhere in the short term. Could that change in the sort of medium longer term as people do go back to work full time? Yes. You know, I'm not sort of oblivious to that, something we talk about a lot internally at Create Engage, you know, what are we looking at after webinars? And how can we be doing different things getting ahead of that? But right now, webinars are still super effective. And so if you've got the infrastructure, even if you don't, it's just a Zoom account, to be honest, get that moving, get those webinars continuing, and just monitor the numbers. You know, if actually over the next three to six months, you see those numbers drop off, it's time to rethink. If those continue, keep them going. And, you know, while while I, I don't know the future, Given a lot of your clients are moving to a flexible working environment, I suspect webinars will continue for a lot longer than anyone previously thought because what has enabled webinars to be so successful is working from home. And that's quite simply because when you're in an office, you don't want to be the one that looks like they're watching TV. Even if it's a work webinar, people thought, you know, the reason no one signed up for webinars before COVID is because they were scared that their boss or their colleagues would whisper behind their back that they're being a bit lazy. Now we're working from home no one can see what you're doing. So actually, you can watch a webinar without that fear. And what that's also meant is webinars have become much more acceptable. So whereas 12, 18 months ago, your colleagues would have looked at you funny if you said, oh, I'm just going to attend a webinar today, you know, you're slacking, you're skiving. Whereas now, actually, they've become a real mainstream part of business such that it's a good thing to attend a webinar, it's a good thing to learn. And for that reason, I suspect we're going to see them stick around for much, much longer than than anyone previously anticipated. So Webinars there, if you have been doing them, keep doing them. If you haven't thought of doing them, if you've been on the fence, if you've sort of been, again, thinking, oh, everyone's doing them, same advice as the podcast. That doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. And, you know, from a return on investment perspective, you run four webinars, you get 100 people across those webinars. If one of them doesn't turn into a client, I'd be shocked. And if one of them does turn into a client, you know, the return on investment from that series is phenomenal. So that's webinars. And then the last two pieces, so the second from last would be email. And this is, again, something that we've seen great success from for ourselves. We've seen great success from for clients. And it's something that so few consulting firms are doing or doing effectively. And this is quite simply creating a monthly or weekly email newsletter, giving your clients value that will help them in their day job. And let me unpack all of those elements because they're, they're important to make this effective. So the reason that we always say weekly or monthly is because it gives you data on who's reading. And that's really the value of an email newsletter is with, with tools like MailChimp, for instance, you can get really good analytics on who's reading your newsletter, who's engaging with it, who's clicking on it, who's sharing it with their colleagues. And what that gives you 
is that insight into who are the warm prospects in your network. So instead of firing off random emails to people on LinkedIn or, or people you knew five, 10 years ago, what those email newsletters show you is who is engaged right now. Now, they might not all be buyers, or they might not be buyers right now, but it shows you who is interested in the things you are sharing and therefore may be interested in your service. And it's the same for prospective clients as it is actually people you're talking to about, about projects. You know, if you've got a client that you're, you're talking to about a potential project, you've got a proposal in with, and you can see they're reading your newsletter every week, you know that you're in with a good chance, you know that they're engaged. So that's why we talk about doing it weekly or monthly. The other side of the coin is then actually the what you share. And I talked about industry news insights, giving value in these things. And again, this is where a lot of consulting firms go wrong, is they see a newsletter as a broadcast about them. You know, our quarterly newsletter where we talk all about why our firm's so great, the awards we've won, et cetera, et cetera. Those are not the type of newsletters we're talking about here. And if you've got a choice between that or something that will help your clients, we would always go with something that will help your clients. The simple reason is what will draw people to your newsletter, what will draw people to your firm is the fact that you share value. You know, every week, every month, you're giving them insights, you're giving them news articles they might read, you're giving them blogs that can help them, you're giving them invites to webinars that will help them do what they need to do in their role. And ultimately, as I said throughout, and you've probably heard me say before, it's the heart of effective marketing giving value to your clients for free, giving away that IP, helping them see how you could help them, helping them see the expertise you have. And all of that comes from giving them things that will help them. So that's the second part of the newsletter is if you're doing or want to do a weekly or a monthly letter, make sure it's focused on your clients. And this is where for those of you in bigger firms, this doesn't have to be a firm-wide you know, email. It could be a practice-specific. So we run, at the moment, for some of our clients, specific practice newsletters for their different industry areas because, as we all know, industries are different. They've got different challenges, different news outlets. And it's those differences that really you can bring out in those specific newsletters. So instead of having one firm-wide newsletter go out to, I don't know, 1,000, 10,000 people, you have industry-specific ones go out to 200, 400, 500, 1,000 people. And those different industry practices can really dig into who's reading it, at what firms, who they've been talking to, who haven't they been talking to, and really start to get that picture of who are potential leads to follow up with. And this can be combined with webinars that I've just touched on and, and gated content that I'll come on to talk about to really help you get that view of who are the hot leads in your network. Because I've heard people say everything from, you know, I need 20 leads a week, I need five meetings a month. You know, that as consultants, we all do that sort of analytical exercise of, I need five projects, five projects need 50 meetings, 50 meetings needs you know, 200 leads. And a lot of people, that they're, they're pulling those figures out relatively out of the air. Whereas if you take your email, for instance, and you sort of work the other way, as you can say, I've got 30 people who are reading my email every week. They're potentially really interested in what we do. Let's focus on those 30 leads and let's try and nurture them through a funnel. So instead of just trying to fill random meeting slots to hit a, a sort of relatively arbitrary metric, you can be using an informed approach to say, well, I had 30 people that read my emails. I've had 10 of those attend my webinars. Those are the people that we're going to be putting some effort in to follow up with doing some of that more, you know, some of that BD activity we're going to follow up. We are going to get some of those meetings in, some of those coffees in. I know some of you listening probably think I, I'm really against coffee and I'm not. I'm very much for having, having coffees and the sort of more traditional BD, but doing it in a targeted way. You know, if you're going to get a box at Twickenham, Instead of inviting 10 mates because they've got a good title, why not invite the 10 people who have read your newsletter the most? You know, those people are going to be much more likely to buy from you. And also the impact will be much bigger because 
they would never have expected to be invited. Whereas your mate who's the CIO of FX client, even if you haven't worked with him for 10 years, he's going to expect you to invite him. It's, you know, water off a duck's back. So again, this is where just you can start to get creative. And as we move out of COVID, merge the, the online with the offline. So that's email. It sounds very simple and, and really the, the execution is, but getting it right is, is about the thought that goes into it, making sure that you actually put some time into what's going into that newsletter. And I guess the last piece of that is you keep it going. This is something with all of the, the tactics I'm talking about here and that we, we do talk about, it's all about consistency. You know, I, I use the metaphor quite a bit of going to the gym or, or doing exercise. And again, not, not everyone, but I know as, as consultants, I know a lot of people who do a lot more exercise than me, you know, do marathons and ultra marathons and all that sort of thing. You'd never expect to run a marathon on your first go. You build up to that over time. And it's the same with marketing. You know, you wouldn't fire your personal trainer in the gym because you've gone and done some weights session one and you don't look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's the, the thing that a lot of people forget with marketing. As analytical types, as consultants, we focus really specifically on on each individual email we send, let's say. And that's kind of like focusing on each individual exercise you do. You know, you wouldn't do your sort of leg press. And then if you don't have sort of the, the size of legs you want, say, oh, that leg press didn't work. It's consistency and it's persistence. And that's where with all of these channels, and email is no different, is to get the data with email, you need to be doing it over a six, 12 month period. You know, if you're doing it monthly, if you're doing it weekly, obviously sort of, you can do it shorter, six, 12 weeks will give you that data, but it has to be consistent. Otherwise you aren't going to see the trends. You aren't going to be able to delve into that data. You aren't going to be able to start to draw those leads from it. And it will be relegated to a, the marketing tool that didn't work when it wasn't the tool. It was the, the sort of amount of time you spent on it. And so last but not least, and this is something that again, we did a lot of before COVID we've done a little less of during COVID, but I think is the number one easy to fix marketing mistake that I see time and time again from consultancies. And it, it always amazes me that people aren't doing this. And that is gating content. And now gating quite simply means sticking a form on your website that requires someone to give you their details before they download your ebook, your white paper, your methodology. And I'm not going to go into what that white paper should look like or that ebook. I've, I've done that. Um, in fact, actually, if you want to see examples of this, Go to our website. Again, I'll put these in the show notes. We've got our ebook where we dissect Elixir's marketing, um, which is gated, and I'll share a link with that. And um, we've also got our our COVID marketing ebook, which again will show you what an ebook looks like, the type of content, and and share some more thoughts on all of these topics. So I'll put those links in the show notes as well. But I won't talk specifically about what goes into gated content. The key thing for today is you need to gate it, and this is where you know if you want a quick return on investment generating fix to your website. If you do not have gating on your your content, I'm talking here your heavyweight content, not your blogs, your, your your white papers, something that you know is really valuable and is worth giving an email address for, go and set it up. Because as I say, that's the sort of easiest and, and most common challenge I see with consulting firms is you know, we talk about wanting return on investment, we talk about wanting trackability. If you do not have a lead capture, a gated form on your website for your ebook, you cannot track return on investment. It's impossible. If you do have that form, you can have a really clear view of who is downloading your content, where are they coming from, you know, what is their role, what is their organization. And those people are likely to be really hot leads, hot prospects. If I think about Create Engage, our first two clients, you know, and one of those has become, frankly, one of our biggest clients, came to us through our gated content. They downloaded our ebook. That told us they were interested in what we do. They're interested in digital marketing. And we followed through with that and, and the rest is history. And 
that is the same for your firm, is if you want to demonstrate measurable ROI, we always look at what is it that can actually capture email addresses, capture details, because otherwise the sort of measurable ROI that, that you're, you know, you might be a partner, your, your fellow partners will want to see, or if you're you know, below partner, the partners will want to see, is tangible links to that business development cycle. Who are you adding to that hopper, as we call it? And this is a great way to do it, is if you can say, well, last month, five people downloaded our ebook or 10 people downloaded our ebook. That's 10 leads for you and, and your colleagues to follow up on. And then I, you know, I, I slightly flippantly talked about working those ratios and those numbers. But if that is the approach you follow, you put that into your, into your sort of funnel metrics and you can see how many of those ebook downloads you're going to need to hopefully lead to one project. And, you know, if a project's going to be £100,000, £500,000, that simple change to add a gated form to your website is definitely worth it and will deliver massive ROI. So for those of you who have got content but no form, get a form. If you're listening to this, particularly those of you who are sort of running smaller firms, you're thinking, well, Nick, I haven't got any gated content. I've not got an ebook. I've not got a white paper. Get one and then gate it. And while I'm not going to dig into what should go in that ebook, a really great and quick way to create one, you know, taking some of the channels we've talked about before, is take a podcast episode or take a webinar, take the transcript from it and turn that into an ebook. Because what that does for you is creates a really high value ebook because the webinar, for instance, was, was giving tons of value, but it does it in a really time effective way. Instead of you having to pen 5,000 words, you can take a transcript that's 10, chop that down into to the key 5,000 and there's your ebook. So yeah, again, not going to go into that in detail, but a really simple way to get an ebook if you haven't. Once you've got the gated content though, this is the second part of the equation and something that many, many consulting firms forget is just having a gated form on your website is not going to get you those leads, those downloads. It can do, and you know, things like pop-ups can work really well. We've got, we've got a pop-up on our site, for instance, and that works really well to activate people to, to download your guides, but actually looking at how you weave that into your content. So can you share that gated content in your email so your subscribers are driven to it and, and encouraged to download it? You know, last week, we released the updated version of our Elixir ebook ton of people from our newsletter went to check it out a number of those downloaded it you know great example there of where we can see who is engaged in our newsletter and who's that little bit more engaged could be worth a follow-up because they've gone and downloaded the ebook they are interested in it same on the podcast you know if you've listened to or if you listen to this episode you'll know but it's the same for all the others we actively advertise our ebook in the the pre-episode trailer you know could you do that in your podcast have a sort of pre pre-roll ad where you're talking about that that ebook same in your webinars but the simplest way and, and this is again where you know something that many consulting firms forget or don't focus on is can you just be resharing it and and repurposing it on your LinkedIn? How often are you saying, here's our great ebook, download it? How often are you sharing excerpts from it to get people to driven to the ebook to download it? It's something that you know, many firms forget. They do the campaign, they gate it, and they move on. And actually, if you created that ebook, that content in the right way, it should be evergreen, meaning it will last for you know years and actually won't go out of date. And that means you can get tons of value by simply reusing it. I personally, on my LinkedIn, probably share the Elixir ebook every couple of months. I could do it more, but yeah, every couple of months and every time it gets two, three downloads. You know, you multiply that across your firm. If you've got, I don't know, 10 people, 20 people, 30 people, if each one of those shares a post about your ebook every other month and you get a download each, you know, you're starting to get a really good number of tangible leads. And almost coming back to sort of why this is important post-COVID is because people will start to go back to these type of mediums. You know, the, the ebooks that we stopped doing because webinars became so popular, 
are going to come back. And particularly if you're hedging your bets, you know, you want to see what will come after webinars. Ebooks are a great, both complementary marketing tool to those other tools that I've spoken about, those tactics. But actually, they're also a great, you know, predictor or, or something that will help you look towards the future. Because if webinars do run aground, let's say by the end of the year, you've got that ebook ready to take up the slack. And so that's where, for those of you who have got that gated content, great. You know, how can you use it more? For those of you that haven't, start thinking about creating it. And if you've got it, but it's not gated, get it gated and then start using those other channels that I've talked about to really help you promote it. Because as I say, as we come out of this period, just as like when we went into this period, your clients are going to be looking for solutions. They're going to be looking for help to the problems that are being created. And that's where that ebook that you wrote on returning to work or that ebook you wrote on, you know, the future of, of safe working, whatever it may be, is going to be something they really want. So why let your prospective clients sort of slip through your, your fingers and, and take it for free, if you like? Why not take their details so you can start to build that pipeline, which ultimately lets you generate return on investment? So there you go. That is slightly shorter episode, something slightly different, but hopefully that has helped you think about marketing for your consulting firm. Just to recap, the four things that I would and, and we as Create Engage would be encouraging you to think about over that coming sort of 6, 12, 18 months, some of it obviously much, much sooner than that, some of it sort of more longer term, podcasting, can you be creating a series for your practice, your firm, really investing in that now for when it goes live towards the end of the year, webinars, if you're doing them, keep doing them, they are effective, they're working, why stop? If you haven't done a single webinar, go and do one. The results and the return on investment just are fantastic compared to the cost that you have to put in. Email, again, we're seeing great results from something I didn't mention actually in the section is we're seeing great results from our own email going out of the weekend because frankly, we're not allowed to do anything right now. So people are on their phones and when an email comes in, they're interested. So how can you be leveraging email right now while you've got a bit more of a captive audience and you know over the coming months to help give you that insight into who is interested in your firm, your proposition. And then lastly, particularly as clients start to want more insights and help to move out of COVID and all of the things that will come with it, are you gating that content to make sure you're capturing those leads and can capture those leads? And then are you doing everything you can to promote that content to get more leads from it? So there you go. Four things for you to think about for your marketing, you know, both now and as we start to come out of COVID. I hope you found that useful. If you've got any questions on any of the topics, any of the points I've made today, if you've got any questions on your marketing as a whole, equally, if you've got any guest recommendations, anyone you think that I should get onto the podcast, please do let me know. I always love to hear from, from listeners like you, as I say, everything from how the podcast helped you through to the guests you've enjoyed, through to your recommendations for other guests. You've got my email. I, I put it on the show notes, but if not, it's nick at createengage.co.uk. Just drop me a message and I'd love to hear from you. So that is everything for today. I hope you have a great weekend. I hope you've enjoyed this. If you're traveling away on holiday, I hope this has given you something to listen to and enjoy all the best for the rest of the week. And thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Climbing Consulting. If you have any guest recommendations, comments, ideas, thoughts on how I can make this show better for you, just drop me an email. It's nick at createengage.co.uk. And I really look forward to hearing from you.